is a delight to be back at the General Assembly. It was, uh, I think, about 13 years ago. Okay, thank you. Brilliant. Thank you, Chris. I was at the Kerry Conference in England, and Dr. Jim Renahan was one of the speakers on that occasion. And I have a, a fondness for the American. That's not to butter you up, it's just a fact. Our nearest neighbors have a long history with us, and they may be our neighbors, but they haven't always been neighborly. <laughs> so we have a fondness for you, because you don't have a bad history with us. <laughs> so Dr. Renahan was there, and bold and brass, I went to Dr. Renahan and said, we need M&Ms. Dr. Renahan looked at me and he says, you buy them in shops. And I said, no, we need men and money. <laughs> Dr. Renahan gave me neither. <laughs> but he did, he did put me in contact with his brother Mike in Worcester, Massachusetts. And next year, early in the year, there was a phone call from his brother to say, we'd like you to come to the General Assembly. And I said, oh yeah, and we'll pay your fare. I'm on my way. <laughs> so the first GA I attended, I believe, was in Taylor's. And uh, it was uh, uh, an encouraging and blessed time. I had the privilege of getting to know some of you. And some of you got to know me, and I'm sure that's been to your advantage. And this morning I see numerous faces I have not seen before. So I think it is only right that I tell you who I am. This is our country. The top piece that you see in the white is still owned by our neighbors, but we are in negotiations with them. <laughs> Whether it becomes ours in time, I cannot say. We will not force anybody out, but you know, it is part of the island. The other part, the other part is the Republic, and some folk whose geography is not good keep thinking I'm in Northern Ireland. I don't know why they do that. It is most insulting. Uh, I, I am way down in the sunny south. I am here. Will it show up? No. Well, I am down here at Clonmel in County Tipperary. It's a long way, I know. <laughs> Clonmel is famous for three things. It is famous for... Thomas Stern, the writer, it is famous for the place where Cromwell had his best, or I shouldn't say best, he had his worst military defeat, uh, that was in Clonmel, and actually John Owen's brother was a captain in the Cromwellian army, and Cromwell was in Ireland for nine months only, and he's, he's remained etched in the Irish psyche ever since, but uh, John's brother was a captain, Philemon, and he came over to Ireland with horses during the campaign, and he died in one of the skirmishes. Now, I've been trying to track down where he was killed, and because Clonmel was their, their greatest defeat, it, I'm not saying it is, but they have not been able to ascertain if it was where he was killed. So there's a Puritan connection even in Clonmel. I am Irish by birth and background. I, am, I was Catholic by religion. I have been regenerated by God. I have been kept by his power. 
I am the servant of the church at Clonmel. I am the husband of one, the father of two, and uh, that's who I am. Um, I'm going to give a report on the work in Clonmel. Let me just again express my, my gratitude to you for the, the encouragement and blessing that you give me. Thank you for that. This is our country. Uh, I was speaking with Stephen this morning and he tells us that there is 1%, according to the records, evangelicals in Ireland. I thought that's a bit positive. Um, I'm, I'm a depressive at the best of times, so I mean, you know, I thought it was a little less than that. But I'm encouraged that that's what we think the, the number is. If that is the case, it is encouraging. Uh, but, but in that category, you have everything from the swinging chandelier men to the Reformed Presbyterians and everything in between. So... It is, a broad, it is a broad church in the widest sense of that term. The reform faith, as you subscribe to and as we love, is minuscule. Minuscule. It's a dirty word, the reform faith. It is in our part of the world. I don't know why, but it is a, it is a dirty word. Um, and it's tiny. Uh, Michael Armani is here this morning with his wife and two children, and they're going to hopefully join Stephen Murphy in Dundalk on the northern border in the coming months, God willing, and that's another worker on the field. They will need your prayers, and I suspect they will need your money, if they're going to ever get to Ireland to work in the ministry. Um, this is the view from my home. This is the Schlieve She is the mountain of the woman. I don't know why they call her that, but that's what they call her. Uh, and those are the fields, the green rambling fields, and American industry in the foreground. See, we're indebted to you for so many things. Hay, fields, more fields. Welcome to Clonmel. I've been in Clonmel for the past 26 years, uh, church planting in the early years, and I have remained there since. It's about 20,000 people. We've had snow too. Um, we have a very long ecclesiastical history. This is the Rock of Cashel, some of it dating back from the 5th right up through the 15th century. We had a family uh, who worked, came to us for a few months from New York, and everything was bigger and jolly better here. And when we were running church, they'd say, well, we do this, we do that, we do the other. And I was getting a bit sick and tired of the we. And one morning we're driving in the car and I said, do you see that gate? That's older than your country. Do you see that shed? That's older than your country. Do you see that place over there? That's older than your country. All right, all right, we get it, we get it, we get it. So we have a very, very long history. And this is one of the jewels in the crown in our landscape. This is Clonmel. It was a walled town. It was a garrison town. It was closed off at night. Those within it would have been the business people, and those outside would have been the poor Irish. This is the main guard. Uh, this is where Cromwell, when he came through, parked his horse, maybe even drank uh, some of the uh, for water in the main guard of the town. This is our little church. Um, we have been renting it now almost for the last 30 years. It was a Methodist church. And the Methodists died out in Clonmel, and we have used that place um, all these years. Uh, it's been our youth. We are trying, trying, desperate to buy a building, but we have not been able to procure a site in order to do that. Uh, 
Um, and you know, with the way the European Union is going, and the legislation and the social legislation that's coming down the track, we can hear the hum of the train in the distance, but it's getting nearer. Same-sex marriage will be legalized in the European Union. Those who oppose it will be seen as homophobic. And things like charitable status for churches and missionary societies, we will lose them. And it's more than likely that people are, are using this building here behind us may not be given to us in the future if the agenda keeps going the way it's going. It may be prescribed to us because we would be perceived as homophobic. So it may be imperative that we get a building quicker. Uh, but when you get a building, you've got to ask yourself, is it the best use of resources? Put up a building, or would that money be better spent sending men onto the field? It's a sort of catch-22 situation that I haven't fully resolved, although I do see the need to have some base in the light of where we are as a country. Why am I bringing the snow back? Yes. Uh, we do children's work. Um, we run ca uh, holiday Bible clubs during the summer. And we have a, a junior and a senior youth club every Friday night. For years, I did both the junior and the senior. And uh, there's an Irish group had a song called I Don't Like Mondays. I hated Fridays. Because I had to do both youth clubs. And, you know, children are nice when they're in bed asleep. <laughs> well, when you try to control them and teach them, it ain't that easy. So I used to get freaked out and come home every Friday night and Barbara would ask me, how are you? Or don't ask, don't ask. <laughs> These are some of our children, some of the crafts. There's again some of our children through the summer. Yes, these are our young adults. Um, we, um, we did something very unorthodox for the Reformed Baptists. I, was, I fancied a barn dance. I don't know if you do them over here, but they really are good. And we had this marquee installed at our, at our front door, and anyone and everyone would come for a party. Whenever you have a meal in our, in our church, our congregation swells by at least 10%. We never see them any other time, but whenever, whenever there's food or fun, they gather. So we ran our barn dance and everyone comes and folk come who don't normally come to church. It gives us a link with them, we make a connection with them and they realize, hey, they're not as bad as we think they are. Um, so we may be able to build on that uh, in the future. It's a social thing. These are some of our members. In the boom, Ireland went through an economic boom about 10 years ago. We were the envy of Europe. Full unemployment, cheap money, big houses, Small families, and that's how we lived for a number of years. People built mansions, you think there were 30 children living in it, and there may be only three. They may have cost half a million to build. Then about uh, four years ago, the, re the recession started. So you had your half a million house, dad lost his job, the, quality, the, the, the price of your property fell by 50%, you may get 100,000 for it now, but you still owe the bank another 400,000. Uh, many folk walk out, leave the keys in the door and abandon their homes and hopefully go to Australia or some other place to begin a new life because they will not be able to start a life in Ireland with the debt that they've got. That's happening over the length and breadth of the country uh, presently in the economic decline. We are going to, our grandchildren and maybe even our great-grandchildren will have to pay the debt that we presently have in the European Union. But then, of course, your country is in a similar position. 
So we may all be in debt together. <laughs> that is not a nice prospect. But if, if, if in God's good providence, it was the means of bringing people to their knees, then Lord, bring it on. No. Bring it on. Whatever it takes for the gospel to flourish, bring it on. Um, again, Brazilians, this is a total in our congregation. <laughs> ah, David. We have, yes, I'll come to this fellow in a minute. Um, during that boom period, our congregation swelled with Filipinos and South Africans and Americans and Brazilians, but very few Irish. In God's, again, mysterious providence, very few Irish are coming to faith. It's a slow, as we heard with Jason, it is slow, almost imperceptible. Well, it is imperceptible. Um, it's invisible. We ain't seen it yet. But we do trust that God is doing his work. The guy in the slide was a Presbyterian who was going to join the Presbyterian Church about two years ago. Maybe a little low. Actually, he was over here last year. Some of you got to meet him. And uh, the Presbyterian Church in Scotland were going to uh, approve gay uh, ministers. And just as he was going to sign up and be a Presbyterian minister. Now, he loved Presbyterianism. He loved the church. Sinclair Ferguson was one of his ministers. Ian Hamilton was his after him. And he loved the church. So he was devastated. You know, the very thing I've labored for, qualified for, worked for, I'll not be able to attain it. So he was in a bit of a limboed state. And uh, someone told us about him and we said, well, come over and visit us for a weekend and we'll see how we get on. You know, you can talk to someone on the phone, but when you're talking to them eyeball to eyeball, then you get the measure of them. So David came and uh, he had nothing to do. And we said, well, if we find you some money, will you stay for six months? And so he did. And uh, we never discussed the issues of difference. And then about nine months later, he says, I think I've come to a decision. And I says, oh, yes. He says, I believe I should be baptized. I said, oh, it took you long enough. Uh, <laughs> so we baptized David in the local ward of the Baptist church, and this is he. But brethren... Think of the trauma it must be for that boy to have abandoned all that he loved and longed for. And then he couldn't fulfill his dream. Think of a Roman Catholic. Loyal to that church all their lives. Man and boy. Girl and woman. And you come with the gospel. It is no easy thing for these people who love their religion to abandon it. It's no easy thing. When you evangelize them, they're not just scalpons. They're not just scalps. They're people who have love and loyalty and commitment to a church that they had faith in and it has failed them. You better, you better provide them with something better. There's David. He's still with us. He may be with us for another year. Another of our families. Not a very typical Irish one. And here is our 30th anniversary um, church gathering. My oldest son is red here. He's a purebred, just like me. Um, I am in the center. My wife should be there somewhere. I should really have a slide of my wife and family on their own, shouldn't I? But it's out on the board, and you can see them there. Um, to get to 30 years in our little work, 
imperceptibly again, the goodness of God. He keeps us, he sustains us, and the work continues. That's the little building from the inside, and it was another occasion of feasting and visitors. Oops, that's the overall slide presentation. Now, let me tell you about the work itself. Um, Our congregation is primarily composed of, the majority are non-national, Brazilians, Filipinos, and others. Um, And we have tried every legitimate means to evangelize the local people. I have a mega church. You may look at me, yes, you haven't seen my name, and I don't go on the blogosphere, but I have a mega church. And my congregation listened to me on the airwaves at 7 o'clock in the morning, on our local radio station, and I have between 1,500 and 3,000 people who listen to me. I never get to see them, just like the mega churches over here. (laughs) Multi-site campuses, but I never get to meet my congregation. I've been doing this for almost 20 years, never get to meet them. But for 20 years, the word has gone out, the gospel has been preached, and you wait and wait and wait. That's what we must do. It is a patient game. It is a a game of faith, of trusting, and waiting for God to bring his own blessing. The recession has hit, and our congregation will go through through transition in the next uh, few months again. Um, Let me give you two illustrations of our congregation. December last, January last year, this guy appeared in our, our worship service, and he was Polish, didn't have much English, and he came, and he came the next day, uh, next Lord's Day, and he came the next Lord's Day, and he told us that at Christmas time he had come to an end of himself. The Poles are spirit drinkers; they don't drink Guinness; they drink heavier stuff, and they drink it in large quantities, and they may smoke something as well, which isn't just ordinary smoke. Uh, and his life was falling apart, and in his desperation, he cried out to God and went online and came across the gospel. Now, when I hear that, I'm always saying, well, what kind of gospel did you come across? And week by week, it was obvious that he had come to a saving faith in Christ. Then he brings his wife, and she has not a word of English. She sits in the front with her husband, and for six months, she's regularly there. She's there every Lord's Day. And then one Sunday afternoon, I'm in the car park, and she runs across to me, and she says, Me baptize, me baptize. I said, I beg your pardon? She said, Me baptize, me baptize. And I'm trying to explain to her in the simplest English, I'll come and talk to your husband. She said, No, 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 no. Spirit told me, Spirit told me. I said, Spirit told you what? Me baptize, me baptize. So it transpired that this Polish girl was converted. And you know how it was? Her husband took an interest in her and the child. And she could see the results of the gospel right in her own home. It transformed them. We baptized them six months later. And uh, it was quite a stunning thing to see in that small Baptist church. They had t-shirts made and painted front and back with Jesus and the cross. I said, this is very charismatic. And, uh, and they wore them as they were baptized and they came up and their faith means so much to them. You go into their home and all you see are Christian books. She listens to sermons all day and when he comes in from work, 
All he will do is go online and listen to sermons as well. They have, they are, they have a very keen um, spiritual hunger and desire. I want to start a, a Polish ministry with him when I get back. He's very reluctant to do it, but I said, I think we should advertise in the Polish community a, a gospel occasion, and you give your testimony, and I will preach every sermon, and you will translate. He's very nervous. He doesn't like my methods of evangelism. Um, but until he gives me something better, that's what we're going to do. Um, <laughs> so he will, he will give the talk, and we will hopefully start a work among the Polish community in Clomel, because there are a lot of them. There are a lot of them. And I've been praying that we might find a way of getting into them. So this man and his wife may be that very, very link into the Polish community. So we're hoping that will be the case. In the early years, when I was young, oh, sorry, when I was younger, um, we, we worked very, I worked very, very hard in evangelism and street work and door-to-door visitation and all those things uh, in Clonmel. And part of that was visiting um, various housing estates. And there was a, a woman who was the mother of three children in a, in a really, well, not, it's not a, not a prosperous housing estate, um, but she had become a member of the church. And every Sunday afternoon we would have a, a children's meeting in her home and all the children in the estate would come in and we would explain the gospel to them. And then in the summertime we would run camps in the estate for the children and hopefully influence them. Well, after about uh, two years, the husband was not faithful to his wife and I, although he wasn't a member, I met with him one day and I said, you know, your behavior is not acceptable and it's not honorable to you, honoring to your wife. And he listened to me, but when he got back to his wife, he said, he is barred from our home. He's not allowed to come here anymore. So when I came to the house one, one day, his wife said to me, if you come to our home again, we're going to get a, a solicitor's letter, a, a lawyer, you call them over here, and you're banned from our home. So that was that whole work gone, imperceptibly. Ten years later, once in the morning, who comes into morning worship? But this little woman. And she said, do you mind if I come? And I looked at her. No. Guardedly, like a hawk. So in she came. And she came the next Lord's Day. And she came the next Lord's Day. And she came the next Lord's Day. And then she apologized for what she had done ten years earlier. And has remained with us since. She's a rough diamond. Straight talking, no nonsense woman. And she asked if I would run a Bible study in her new home. Now, her girls are up, they're adults, and they have children. They're not husbands, but they have children. And she says, my daughters may come, and others may come as well. So I said, well, we will start the study on Tuesday night at 8 o'clock. So I started, and we worked. We are working our way through the Gospel of Luke. And on any one night, you could have a drug addict... Somebody's unemployed, single mothers and their friends, the boyfriend may be there. You do not know from week to week who's going to turn up. But it has been a wonderful opportunity. And the extraordinary thing is, all three daughters have come to faith. And we see them in church. But not only that, this little rough diamond, she has other rough diamonds of sisters, they started coming to church. Well, one girl came, and she'd, if I, uh, whenever I saw her out in the street, she would never look at me. But she started coming to church. And you know, she came to faith. Her husband started coming to church, and he came to faith. 
Her other sister started coming to church, and she came to faith. Through this woman's witness now, her mother, who was a formidable lady, and her other sisters have all come to faith. And every Tuesday night, we have this Bible study in our home. And I'm hoping that the neighbors in the community will want to come to the Bible study. Because every night, they see the girls smiling, happy, waiting in anticipation for me to come through the door. We sit in the living room. The neighbors in the streets watch, are, are looking as they pass by and see all these people huddle around this man with a book. And they're reading the talk for an hour. I'm hoping that the neighbors may want to come in to the study in the coming weeks. That's my goal. That's my desire for that housing estate. It is a, it is a really, really encouraging situation what's going on there. We, do you know what? I've been in Clomel 26 years. We have just appointed two elders. I don't move fast. We have appointed two elders and I said we had a deacon as well. So after 26 years, we now have two elders and one deacon. And it is a wonderful, wonderful transition. Transition is the word, you know. I wore the red shoes and I had the papal crown. Now I've got to share with two other men and consult. That's going to be a bit of a challenge for me. But with God's grace, I hope I will adapt to the benefit of them and myself and the greater work in Clonmel. Um, it is, it is a, it's a new chapter in our lives because it will allow me to think further afield, have nightmares, dream dreams, and see what else we can do by way of bringing reformation to the wider country. Many of you have supported Mission Ireland, funded it, and prayed for it. That is a significant movement. You know, you can never tell the measure of a book. There's a romance about a book. When I was 21, someone gave me a book called The Sovereignty of God. You know, I threw it on the shelf. I'm not a book reader. If there's no pictures in it, you know, leave it there. And this book sat on the shelf for a very long time. And one Sunday evening, I was bored. And I said, let's start reading this book. So we opened the pages. And as you turned the page, you were slapped about the head a little more. You were slapped about the head a little more. And you were, tran you were just transfixed by, can this be true? Whew. This is wow, wow. And you realize, hey, God is sovereign. The sovereignty of God. Um, you never know what romance a book may yet do in someone's life. So those of you who have prayed and given and supported Mission Ireland, we are in your debt. We may yet reap the, the benefits of your faith gestures in the past, and we thank you for them. The mover of that movement, Mike Renahan, as you know, is presently unwell. Keep him in your prayers. Because we'd like to see his sober, pokerless face again in Clonmel. You know, he's a, I see he'd be a very good poker player. Because he never gives you any indication from his face how he's, what he's thinking. But we would like to see him again on the green sod uh, in the coming years if that were possible. I don't know how, what will go on in the wider situation in the country. Um, but we will continue with God's grace to hold the light, to preach. Try to win men to Christ and build a church in Ireland. I want to go off script for a few minutes, if I may. And I'm getting to an elevator, and some of you young men have just got in with me. Actually, all of you have got in, all of you have got out but one. I have two minutes before we get to the top landing in the building we're in, and I want to say something pertinent to you that's going to be a benefit, I hope, 
and a blessing. If I'm patronizing, do, do forgive me. But I hope I'm not, I'm not. I'm speaking to the young men. First thing I want to say to you, don't be a praise seeker. Don't be a praise seeker. People will love you today and hate you tomorrow. And that's God's people, sadly. So don't live for the praise of your congregation. When they stop applauding you, what are you going to do? can't have that as a motive for ministry. Don't be a pleasure lover. Don't be a cruiser. Don't just encumber the ground and go through the motions and fill the pulpit and pretend you're doing the work. Don't do that. Do it with all your might and main. With all your might and main. Don't be a porn addict. It's ruining the church. Our men and our women have been nobbled by porn. Their spiritual lives are gone and they're useless. And it's a hellish, hellish addiction. Don't be a porn addict. You've got too much time on your hands. You're on your own. You're your own master. It's so easy. A couple of clicks of a computer and you're gone. It's a hellish place. Don't be a porn addict. Don't be ego-driven. Don't be ego-driven. It's not about you. It's not about you. You're nobody. It's all about him. Your goal is to make him great, not you. Don't have this superior tone. Young men sometimes have it. I've arrived. I'm a minister. It ain't that, baby. It ain't that. It's blood, sweat, toil, tears, sinful people, and you're sinful too. So have no ego trips. Don't be an egotist. It's a horrible thing. It's demonic in its source. It's not about you. It never will be about you. It's all about him. All about him. You're nobody. I'm nobody. It's all about him. Keep Jesus always in your eyes. In other words, have a deep, rich, spiritual life. Read deeply, read often, pray hard, know God. Don't listen. I don't want second, I don't want secondhand smoke, and I don't want secondhand opinion about who God is. I want to know God, period. I want to read his truth and allow his truth to mold my character and give me the convictions that will keep me in a very difficult circumstance. So don't be, don't go through the motions of your religion. Have a strong, vibrant, rich, growing faith. Keep feeding on the Lord Jesus. A verse from 1 Kings 20. When Jason mentioned 1 Kings, I said, he's going to rob my thunder. But he didn't. 1 Kings 20 says this, Let not the one who puts on his armor boast like the one who takes it off. The older men in our assembly this morning, some of you younger men might think, were the hot shots. You haven't labored. You haven't suffered. You have no scars. You have no battles won. You have no victories. You're only beginning. The men who are here, older in years and experience, admire them, emulate them, love them. Get everything you can off them by way of question like Q&A. Drain them dry for knowledge. Learn from them. That you are building on their hard work. You are here today because of their labors. You are here today because they had the vision and the dream to be what we are today. Don't, don't despise them. Don't think you're the new man on the block and that you're going to do something better. You haven't even started. When this woman came back to our church, um, she's a rough diamond, as I said, and after morning worship, she goes outside for a smoke. Now, I know some folk have a problem with it. Others don't. But 
on this morning, after morning worship, she went out, and I saw a family gather around her and berate her. There was the husband and the wife and the three daughters, and they were telling her in no uncertain terms, you know, as Christians. And then I stuck my head out the door and they said, And you, come here, they said. You're the pastor, she shouldn't be here. I said, I beg your pardon. She shouldn't be here. You shouldn't have her in your church. I said, mate, have you worn her moccasins? Have you lived her in her shoes? How dare you speak like that to her? This isn't your concern. You cannot do that. Now, brethren... If a tattooed man and a studded woman came through the door in your morning worship, would you be ready for them? Would you be ready for them? Let the order in the building be grace. Don't have the malodor of the pharisaical perfume. It might be impressive, but it's hideous. You're a sinner, they're a sinner, you all need Jesus. You've come to know him, and if, he's found, if you have found it to be, to be sufficient, then you jolly well make sure that other people find them so too. Love the Lord Jesus. Labor and admire those who have gone before you. Don't get cocky. He must increase. He. All that you do must be for him. Forget about yourself. So we've arrived at the top. The poor young man is holding on to the railings. And he's glad I'm getting out. But I get back in and he gets out. And then an older man gets in. And he's been in the wars. And we're hurtling to the basement and we're going out. And I can see by his face, he is weary. How do you encourage an older man? The first thing I'd say to the man is, don't be cynical. Don't be a cynic. There is a temptation to be cynical. There is. People will fail you. You will fail them. The church is a mess. We're all going, oh, there's no one going the right way. Oh, if you knew how bad things were. Don't do that. Don't be a cynic. It ain't nice. It ain't nice. Our God is not a cynic. He's a God of faith and hope and joy and prospect. And he builds imperceptibly and his best work may yet be done. So don't be a cynic. Don't be bitter. Don't be bitter. You may have had a raw deal in certain places. Brothers may have failed you. You will have failed them. Don't be bitter. Not easy, but don't be. If Jesus is anything, and he's our model, when he was reviled, he reviled not again. He washed the feet of the man who would go out and a couple of hours later kiss him and sell him for 30 pieces of silver. Don't be bitter. It only feeds in your soul and stunts you. Keep fighting the fight of faith. Keep fighting the fight of faith. Every time a man is laid aside through moral collapse or otherwise, I ache because there's another soldier gone out of this great war. This is war. We can't lose our generals or our senior men. They've got to keep fighting the faith. They've got to keep giving us encouragement. They've got to keep laboring. Even though they're weary in it, they must keep doing it for we still derive benefit from them. 
keep running the race, even though you're bald and prolapsed and your knees are knobbly. We look down the track and we see you still running, and you encourage us to keep going. Keep running the race. The prize is out of this world. In more ways than one. Keep running the race. Lastly, keep the faith. Keep the faith. As we get older, there is a temptation to weaken on the edges and to be tolerant. Don't do that. But keep a warm heart, a fixed conviction, and a winsome way. So that by your demeanor, people will say, if that's what the reform faith does, baby, I'm out of here. But rather, they will say, if that is the reform faith is, I want to be one. Because I see it in your life. And then encourage the young. Young men have a teenage mentality. I'm out of here, I know it all. They go through that and they come out the other side. Be there. They need your help and they need your encouragement. And if that is what you as ARP could do, and keep that as your vision and goal, your best days may yet be ahead. But don't be treaders of water. Don't build an organization just to have it. There's plenty of them around. Have teeth and energy, vision and fire, and determination to see the cause of Christ's advance in the Reformed faith progress across this great, needy, dark nation. And we will rejoice with you and celebrate if God blesses you in the coming days. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, you are the builder of your church. You are the chooser of your instruments. You are the equipper of your saints. It is our great, great privilege to have you as our Lord, to cry to you when we are discouraged, to look to you when we need love and grace and acceptance and washing and renewing and empowering. And this morning, Lord Jesus, we thank you for what you are doing and have done in each of our lives. There are some of us this morning who are weary in well-doing. There are some who are struggling with personal domestic sinful issues and inter-church difficulties. You are the head of the church. We look to you for grace. We look to you for guidance. We look to you to equip us to be the men and women that emulate and live and love the Lord Jesus and make him known in a dying and dirty world. Bless us, we ask, and make us more useful in the coming days as we give you our thanks and realize afresh that it's not about us. It's all about you. And we heartily do it and want you to be magnified all the more. We pray this, giving you our thanks. Amen.